0: If you will, we're going to continue on in the Gospel according to Mark. And we're going to start off um, in the fifth chapter, the first verse in the fifth chapter. To me, a very familiar passage of Scripture. I have preached this before, of course, but it's been a long time. I got to take a a fresh look at it, and it it always teaches me something fresh and new and reminds me of things that God has put before us. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the thought of break every chain. You know, there's a song out about that now, break every chain. And you know, sin is bondage, isn't it? Sin is bondage. This old world will drag you down. The devil comes against us every day. Every day when we when we arise, we just know that. For God's children, He's got something in store to try to trip us up, try to throw a, a, cast a stumbling block before us. And He's trying to keep us from God's very best in our lives. But our worst enemy is not the world or the devil. Our worst enemy is that one that we look at in the mirror every morning before we leave to go whatever we might be doing for that day, the task at hand, That one looking back at us is the one that's the most damaging. Because the Scripture says there's not one good person, right? No one was born righteous. Everyone was born a sinner. I didn't have to teach my children to do bad things. I had to teach them to do good. Amen? And my parents were the same with me. I wasn't born a little angel even though my mama said I was. I was born a little heathen that needed some discipline and some love and some transformation. Amen. Because mere outward conformity to things is not enough, right? Just the fear of a spanking wouldn't make me a good person, would it? I would just behave when I was around certain people, but then when nobody was around, I could act like I wanted to, right? But we need inward transformation and that's what this man's going to receive today. It's You want to talk about issues? This man had them. He had a whole legion of issues, if you will. Now, in today's modern society, we would say this man is schizophrenic. He's got multiple personalities. We would give him a pill. He would sit on Oprah Winfrey's talk show. And he would tell everybody about he's a raving lunatic because his mama didn't buy him Nike Airs. She bought him them cheap kids. And, and how he's cutting off all the tails of the dogs in the neighborhood because his mama didn't give him this or give him that. And he would be a victim. But there are no victims. But all can be victors in Christ Jesus. Amen. So let's read our text. We're going to read the first 20 verses this morning in Mark chapter 5, and we'll get started. And the scripture starts off with that little word, and again. We see it multiple times in the Gospel of Mark. I've discussed that plenty. And they came over to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when they were come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, He ran and worshipped Him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with Thee, Jesus, Thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure Thee by God that Thou torment me not. Seems a little contradictory, right? This man seems a little confused. He ran and worshipped Him and then he's, Why are you tormenting me? Why are you doing this? You see the inward spiritual struggle that he's having? And if we would be honest with ourselves, I think many of us have these same struggles, but we, we like to give the appearance that all is well. And that very thing right there will keep us in chains. Let's go on. For he, Verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were nine to the mountains, a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. Can you imagine 2,000 hogs in one place? It says, and they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine, and told it in the city and in the country, they went to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him with the... "...that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting, and clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they saw, and they that saw it told him how it befell him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him." Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Let's pray together. Lord God, open our hearts this morning. God, I pray, I offer myself up to You. Lord, I have nothing to offer Your people but You. And God, if Your Spirit doesn't come and anoint, fill my heart, touch my tongue, and God, open the hearts of Your people. This meeting is in vain. But Lord God, I stand already acknowledging that You're with us. So God, don't leave us alone. Come to us and teach us and show us what it is that You would have us to do Your good and perfect will for Your people. God, thank You that You, bre- you do break every chain. Just like this man, we can leave this place transformed. We can leave the- this place better than when we came. God, whatever You want to do amongst us, be free to do it. God, we withhold nothing from You. We give You ourselves in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the last part of chapter 4, it says that Jesus, they had sent a little crowd away, they got into a boat, and Jesus made this simple statement, I think it's in verse 35 of chapter 4, let us pass over to the other side. Made a simple, direct statement about, hey, get in the boat, come on, we're going to the other side. Now, in the midst of that, there was a storm that arose, and he's down there in the ship, and he's resting. He's taking his ease. He's, he's been constantly just ministering to people, delivering, raising the dead, doing all these things. So physically, he's tired. He's washed out. He needs a little break. And so he's taking a rest as they're on this ship. Of course, the storm goes up, arose the disciples get all in a panic again like they always do. And he, writes, he said, be still. Oh, ye little faith, why don't you trust me? And here they are. And it's, it's no accident where they arrive. There, there's a little background story to uh, them being in the land or the country of the Gadarenes. Now, if you'll remember, back when... The children of Israel first were beginning to come. They entered the promised land. And God said, you're going to have this country. He'd given them, they were going to have allotted portions for each tribe. Each tribe was going to have a portion big enough for it. But there were two and a half tribes of the twelve tribes of Israel that decided they wanted to settle on the other side of the Jordan River, on the east side of the Jordan River. And there was nothing wrong with that except for one thing. God wanted every one of them to cross the Jordan River. There was a significance in crossing that Jordan River. It was more than just a physical thing. It was more than just geography. It was a spiritual lesson that said, when you cross this Jordan River, you're crossing into the fullness of what I have for you. Like so many other believers, like so many New Testament believers, and those of us that are living today, how many times have we settled for far less than God's very best for us? Now, the common enemy of the best for a true born-again believer is not the bad. Someone who's been delivered from drugs, alcohol, all these, all these other terrible things that sin wrought in our lives, they can tell you they don't want to go back to the way they were. Now, they may still occasionally struggle with that, but they'll, they will stand and tell you, I'd never want to be that person again. No, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about settling for the good. See, the good can be a better, a bigger enemy of the best for a true born-again child of God, right? The thing was, they were going to have that whole country too eventually. If you do a geography study of the promised land, it was much bigger than the current nation of Israel right now. It, it did include... That promised land did include that land that they settled in, but they settled too early. They, they were supposed to go over and subdue and run out all those people that God said, I've had enough of them. I want you to wipe them out. I'm going to go before you. It's going to be a process. And see, they just simply wanted to skip the process and just settle for what they had. And isn't that like a lot of us? So Jesus had a purpose in going, this was no accident. And it's no accident that they find this man in the land of Gadara that is in this condition. And also, I think it's very significant that the Hebrew people are herding swine. Because that's one of the forbidden pieces of meat that you know all kosher Jews don't eat. Do you know? You do know that, right? We can eat bacon. They can't. Now, bacon's not good for you, it makes your cholesterol go up. But it is good. They're not only herding swine, they've got one of the biggest herds I've ever heard about in my life. I don't know of anybody that's got 2,000 hogs, but they're herding swine. And they're children of God. And I think that tells us the spiritual condition of that whole country. See, there's something going on not just with a few people. There's something going on in their society. And would you agree with me today America is sin sick? They are. We are. And it permeates the church. I wish it stopped outside those doors, but folks, every Sunday morning, that prevailing attitude now comes in with us. And some of us have been deceived and we don't even realize it. The veil has been pulled over our eyes and we accept things now that we used to openly condemn. But because we've been told to keep our mouth shut not be offensive, we've let sin enter into the camp. And now many churches and many individual Christians are herding swine when they need to be in the promised land. We need to get rid of the hogs. So we're going to take a look at the people that make up this text. I want us to first see the possessed man himself. Look at him. First First of all, look at his location. He's in the tombs. This is where he dwells. This is not where he just goes by occasionally. This is where he lives. He lives in the mountains, he lives in the tombs. He lives in a in a separated place. Who who wants to live in a cemetery? When you go camping, do you set up out here in the cemetery? Wouldn't that be a little that'd be a little odd, wouldn't it? I don't want to be around dead things. I want to be around living things. Amen. But see, he's in the tombs. He's in a place of isolation, number one. He's isolated from society. And maybe he feels more comfortable there than he does being around people. You ever thought about that? He's isolated. He's deprived of all good things that God would want to give him, right? Because if he's not around believers if he's not around people if he's not around those that would help him he's never going to get any better his conditions never going to change right he needs someone to help him all they could do and this is this is all man can do apart from Jesus all they could do was try to constrain him They they didn't have a solution for his inner struggle for the spiritual battle that was going on in his life, they said, let's just put him in handcuffs and chains and, and just try to tame him. Did you, did you catch that in your Bible? They said he couldn't be tamed. You see, we, 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 we put on this big charade, a little bit of conformity to things around us so that we look good sometimes, but inside we're still rotten, Right? Like the little girl that was riding in the truck with her daddy years ago before seat belts were enforced and all those things, and she was standing up on the, in the seat, and he said, "Honey, you must sit down. You can't stand up while daddy's driving down the road. You must sit down." She finally she sits down, and she's sitting there and a few minutes pass by. nothing's being said, and she said, "Daddy?" He said, "Yeah, baby, I'm still standing up on the inside." That's a lot of us, isn't it? We sit down because daddy said to, but we're still standing up on the inside. And see, this man had that problem. They couldn't control him. He broke the chains like tallow. They said they couldn't, they couldn't bind him. They couldn't chain him. They couldn't control him. He was untamable. And all the world has to offer apart from Jesus Christ is just try to break you down and put chains on you. They can't help you out of your situation. So there He is. He's uncontrollable. He's untamable. The world, all they're trying to do is just chain Him and bind Him and get Him out of their, off of their conscience. Say, well, we got Him bound up. Let's go. That's all we can do for him. No, we got Jesus. We can help that man. But I'll tell you something else about him. His location was in the tombs. His condition was that he was uncontrollable and untamable. And that apart from Jesus, there was no help. But I think it's also important about his name. Why did Jesus ask the man his name? See, the man, he saw Jesus far off, right? Right? Like the lady that I told you all about in Ukraine, you know, the first time I ever... I told you all that story. I don't know if you remember it or not. I won't go back through it for the sake of time today, but it was an awesome story. She saw me away off, comes running, starts talking in Russian, and she said, I've been praying for you for eight years that you would come here and share Jesus with us. She saw me afar off. And this man saw Jesus at a distance. And he comes running. Why was Jesus concerned about the man's name? Because the man's name means something. He said, I am legion, which means that's a, that's a Roman military term for between four to 6,000 soldiers. The man comes to worship Jesus because the man wants deliverance But the evil spirits within him that are controlling him, they cry out and they say, don't torment us. There's thousands of them. This man is schizophrenic. He's got multiple personalities. These spirits are speaking through him. They are manipulating him. He's uncontrollable. It said the man there didn't sleep evidently. Not much. Because he was in the... Mountains in the tombs day and night, crying, shrieking like a banshee and cutting himself with stones. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing normal about that. So his name meant something. But now I want us to see the Deliverer. I want us to see Jesus Himself. I don't understand these people that say, I don't believe there's a God. You know what I think? I think they're straight up lying to themselves. Because the Bible says the fool has said what? To the public? On Facebook? There is no God? First he said in his own heart, there is no God. And the heart is wicked and evil and foolish. Who can know it? So before that professing atheist ever went public with it that there was no God, he lied to himself and said, there is no God. If I say there's no God, there's no God. But I don't see atheists about unicorns. I don't believe in unicorns and they're not battling unicorns out there. Is anybody fighting unicorns? But they sure fight against God, those atheists do, because they know. This man... Jesus is the most identifiable human figure that's ever been. He's still the most identifiable figure in human history 2021, May 2nd, 2021. Jesus is still the premier man. He's the God man. They can deny him, they can throw him away, the church can go apostate and say he's not really Lord. It doesn't matter. He is on his throne. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. It's not up for debate. He is the living Savior. They they killed him, they crucified him, they buried him, but three days later he was arisen and he lives forevermore. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. And He is easy to identify. Don't tell me you can't find Him. He's already found you. I wasn't looking for Him. He was looking for me. I knew He was there and I knew He was real, but I just kept putting it off. I just kept not listening to that still, small voice. I just said later, I just said some other time, but in January of 1990, no more. I gave it up and I came to the Savior. And I've never been the same since. Don't tell me you can't find Him. He's looking for you. He crossed the seas. He crossed the mountains. He turned the stars into a staircase. He left His throne in glory so that we might have a relationship with the Father. Don't tell me you can't recognize Him. You don't, you don't see Him. You see Him everywhere. I see Him in the midnight stars. I see Him on a dewy morning with the fog lifting out over the pastures. I see Him in the rainstorms. I see Him in the lightning. I see Him in a beautiful sunny day. I see Jesus everywhere. And it's time we started seeing Him for who He really is. He is the deliverer of our souls. He's the keeper of our souls. His power is undeniable. Did y'all see that in this story? Those demons come up to Him and they're begging Him. And and do you know what? I never thought about this until I was studying for it this time. Not Not in that light. Do you know He even answered those demons' prayer? He gave them what they asked for. You ever thought about that? See, God's good and we're all bad. They asked, Can, we don't want to just be left with nothing. Can we go into the swine? Jesus said, yeah, get these hogs out of here. <laughs> these people don't need these hogs no way. And every one of those hogs ran down into the sea and drowned. You see, God knows what He's doing. And even those demons meant it for bad, God took it and what? He turned it around for good because God's people have no business herding swine. So He solved all the problems at once. Amen. Right? See, not only did that man need deliverance, those people over there, all of those people needed deliverance from the swine. See, it was more than just about the man. Jesus wants to deliver everyone. Amen. He's good. His power is undeniable and His redemption is perfect and complete. Over in verse 15 of our text, one of the most famous passages of Scripture there is, when when they came to Jesus... They saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. But let's talk about the crowd a minute. That's another p- group of people that we need to look at. You know, the pigs, the, the ones that were keeping the pigs, they run back into town and told everybody, hey, come on, something's happened. The pigs are gone. <laughs> I got bad news for you. Our economy has crashed. <laughs> and, and you need to see this. Jesus has got that demonic man out there that we can't bind. And he's done, he's done cast these demons out of him. What, what are we going to do? And everybody comes out to look and see. And there he is. Perfectly at peace. His mind is whole. He's not cutting himself. He's got clothes on. Amen to that. And he's sitting there in his right mind. And what does it say about the people? They were afraid. Now, I looked up that word afraid. And it does mean, in a sense, it means to have reverence, but it also, it comes from the form of the word that where we get, phobia from you ever heard about you know somebody that was afraid of snakes and all these, all these other things they have a phobia of just terrorized in other words they're just terrorized by that man's power and his presence now God doesn't want us to be terrorized of him he does want our respect right he wants us to reverence him but not out of a phobia that He's going to destroy us too because you know what? He loves us. He doesn't want you to be afraid in that manner. And here's where they missed it. They had misplaced priorities. They were more concerned with the hogs than they were with anything. I I think. Now you can take me to task on that, but let's go on down to verse 16. It says, When they saw that uh, it told them how it befell on him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. Don't, don't leave that out. That's in there for a reason. I believe their priorities were on the hogs and not the man. Because if their priority had been seeing the man delivered from his state, they wouldn't have just been had a phobia about Jesus. They would have said, we... Thank you for delivering us from keeping hogs. Thank you for seeing our need as well, but we were wrong. Thank you for revealing yourself, Jesus. Thank you for your life-transforming power. But no, they, they missed the hogs. And so what did they do next? Verse 17, they began to pray Him to depart out of their coast. How many professing Christians have secretly asked Jesus to depart from their coast and missed out on the blessing that God wants to give. Friends, Jesus has got something better than hogs for us. We're children of the King. We don't need to be keeping hogs. We need to be coming to Him with everything. And last of all, I want us to look very quickly at the old defeated devil. They were powerless against Jesus. We like to make much of the devil. Remember old Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. Flip, you just wanted to do it. You flipped out because you, you, obviously you didn't have enough Jesus. The devil doesn't make us do anything. The de- even the demons of hell have to obey the Lord. They can only do what God allows them to do in our lives. And see we make much of the devil and don't get me wrong he's very deceptive and he is very powerful but he is nothing compared to our Jesus. So don't worry about him. He only allows those demons to do what is going to strengthen us and give him glory. So I'll leave you with this. I don't know where you are I pray that you're on top of the world in Jesus name. I pray that you're growing I pray that God is speaking to you that you're experiencing personal revival, family revival, and that's going to spill over into this church family and out into the world. But if not, some of you may be tending to to hogs and Jesus needs to get those things out of your life. He's asking you today, will you give up the the hog pen for me? Whatever your need is this morning, He's the answer. Amen.